The following is a presentation from the Recycling Council of Alberta's 2021 webinar series. This episode gets back to basics on extended producer responsibility and introduces the fundamentals to new members. The RCA would like to thank our supporters for making this webinar possible, including Platinum Sponsor, the Alberta Beverage Container Recycling Corporation. This segment features Glenn DeGuise, who led the EPR program implementation for Multi-Material BC, now Recycle BC, from 2011 to 2016. She went on to chair the Resource Productivity and Recovery Authority Board of Directors in Ontario from 2016 to 2020. Glenda brings 40 years of experience across multiple sectors as an independent consultant and will talk about the history of EPR in Canada to demonstrate our journey and how far we've come. I've been asked as part of our discussion today to provide a brief history of extended producer responsibility in Canada and I'm going to do that by providing a few comments on the early context and the early Canadian initiatives, uh, speak briefly about the origins of EPR and early EPR in Canada, and then describe the drivers and forms of evolution, where we are today in Canada and how evolution might continue. So I thought I'd start these comments um, with the uh, the time post-World War II, because it was during World War II that mass production with distribution systems was uh, first established to support the war effort. And following the end of the Second World War, that was refocused to supply society, and that included the introduction of the plastic products and packaging that we are familiar with today. Um, following the war, as waste increased, the generation of waste increased, governments began to regulate uh, waste management. We moved from open dumping to sanitary landfills, from open burning to energy from waste facilities. And we saw increasingly by the 1970s renewed interest and in calls for uh, types of waste management other than uh, dumping and burning. We saw some jurisdictions in Canada introduce uh, deposits on beverage containers, and we saw some community recycling efforts introduce the concept of source separation of waste, and those uh, community recycling organizations established drop-off depots to receive that source-separated waste and redirect it to recycling. We also saw some very early projects to test curbside collection of a short list of source-separated materials. Gradually, governments shifted their attention from regulating disposal to encouraging diversion in the form of the three R's. Um, this took the form of either new or updated waste management plans that now included diversion goals. And governments gradually started introducing curbside collection of recyclables in order to achieve those diversion goals that they planned for. We saw some corporate leaders take public positions supporting household recycling services and offering funding to help municipalities introduce those services to their residents. And we saw the beginnings of recycling markets for post-consumer materials emerge, helping paper mills converted to banking facilities and steel mills, aluminum mills and glass kilns made adjustments to receive post-consumer materials. And I did want to mention, just to give you a, a bit of flavor for the history, that at this point in time, there was still the expectation the commodity market revenue would eventually offset operating costs, and we all know that hasn't come to be. 
We saw governments establish product stewardship systems to collect and recycle beverage containers and certain products, most notably tires in the early days because of the tire stockpiles that had developed across the country. For example, BC implemented a deposit system in 1970, followed by Alberta in 1972 and Saskatchewan in 1973 and other provinces in subsequent years. But we also saw provinces move to directly deliver recycling programs using Crown and non-Crown corporations. For example, the province of Quebec established Receipt Quebec in 1990 to manage tires, and the province of Alberta established ARMA in 1992 to manage tires, and the BCMB in 1997 to manage beverage containers. While those uh, early product stewardship initiatives were happening in Canada, the concept of extended producer responsibility was first proposed in 1990 in a report to the Swedish Ministry of the Environment. EPR was presented as a policy approach under which producers assume responsibility for collection and management of post-consumer waste. This EPR policy approach shifted end-of-life costs from taxpayers to consumers as the product stewardship programs did but it also linked producers who control product design to end-of-life management of their products and packaging. It was expected that EPR, uh, this policy approach, would encourage producers to consider end-of-life when designing their products and packaging and would encourage them to utilize recovered materials as feedstock in their production processes. Shortly after that report was presented in 1990 to the Swedish Ministry of the Environment, uh, the first jurisdiction, Germany, uh, moved to implement EPR through their packaging ordinance requiring producers to assume responsibility for packaging. This was passed in 1991. And in 1994, the European Union introduced the Packaging Waste direction, Directive, also based on the policy approach of EPR. And in subsequent years, the EU member states each implemented national legislation to manage packaging using this policy approach of EPR. Meanwhile, in Canada, the federal government began discussions on EPR in the late 1990s through a series of hosted workshops, which eventually led uh, CCME to issue the Canada-wide Action Plan for EPR in 2009. This action plan called for provinces to utilize EPR for specific materials by 2015. Meanwhile, in parallel to the federal discussions on EPR, some provinces began to legislate uh, EPR through requiring producers to assume responsibility. For example, BC implemented a paint regulation in 1994 and a used oil regulation in 2003, and this approach was uh, also used in other provinces. Um, some provinces, recognizing that municipalities were providing curbside collection of recyclable materials uh, for their residents, modified the concept of EPR to a shared responsibility approach. In Ontario, for example, in 2003, uh, producers were obligated to contribute 50% of the costs of managing these programs while municipalities continued to deliver the operations. In 2005, Quebec followed suit starting at 50%, and Manitoba and Saskatchewan followed in subsequent years with higher percentages. We also saw some voluntary corporate initiatives. For example, 
uh, companies recovered refrigerants starting in the year 2000 and agricultural products starting in the year 2010. Um, in the context of these early product stewardship and uh, EPR programs, we also saw various uh, drivers for evolution of these programs come from concerns raised by stakeholders. There were broad social concerns, for example, disposal of non-renewable resources and consumption of renewable resources at rates in excess of regeneration. And as Jody mentioned earlier, there's been a general call for a shift from the linear make waste society to circular management of resources. Municipalities raised a number of concerns that arose from managing an increasingly complex household recycling stream, including their inability to forecast and prepare for the changes that were coming and the um, increasing operating costs that they were incurring as the recycling stream became more complex all of which was incur occurring within uncertain commodity markets, especially as China moved to introduce the national sword. All of these led to challenges for municipalities in budgeting for their recycling services and then subsequently in operating within those budgets. Producers also were raising concerns. Um, there was a lack of a level playing field in some jurisdictions among competing companies. And for those producers who were paying fees for the shared responsibility programs, those producers were raising concerns about increasing fees without the ability to have an effect on management of costs. All of this led to some changes in the way that uh, governments were implementing uh, programs using the policy approach of EPR. For example, Ontario uh, implemented enabling legislation in the form of the Waste Diversion Act in 2002, and BC implemented its enabling legislation, the recycling regulation in 2004. But we also saw a changing role for provincial governments. They were moving from operators under the uh, product stewardship programs to regulators. For example, in BC, when Schedule 1 was first added to the recycling regulation, a producer responsibility organization assumed responsibility for the province's deposit system. And in 2016, Ontario replaced Waste Diversion Ontario, an organization that had simple oversight responsibility with the Resource Productivity and Recovery Authority, a regulatory authority with the ability to issue administrative penalties and compliance orders. We also saw some shift from shared responsibility to fuller forms of EPR. For example, Quebec has increased the producer's contribution from 50% to 100% while largely leaving operations in the hands of municipalities. But in Ontario, we're seeing that province move from 50% blue box funding to producers being fully responsible uh, with transition of programs from municipalities to producers expected to be completed by 2026. We're also seeing a changing role from producers. Um, in the early days, they moved from being reactive to um, reacting to provincial initiatives to being proactive. We have a number of national producer associations that have worked to establish common programs across provinces. This is in an effort to achieve some degree of harmonization. We've also seen uh, producers shift from being funders to being operators. For example, in 2011, BC added Schedule 5 to its recycling regulation, and this schedule requires producers to assume responsibility 
for household packaging and paper products. And we'll be hear more about this experience from the subsequent presenters today. But we've also seen producers moving from being funders to being the parties liable for performance. For example, in Ontario, as the industry funding organizations and their programs are wound up uh, and regulations under the Resource Recovery and Circular Economy Act are implemented, individual producers are now assuming responsibility and liability for delivering the performance that is required under those regulations. And of course, we're also seeing a changing role for municipalities who are moving from being the originator of recycling services to providing collection services on behalf of the obligated producers. And all of this has led us to where we are today. This table is summarized from the CCME's status report on their Canada-wide action plan for EPR. I've added a few updates. For example, in the Ontario row, I've noted the two programs that have moved from EPR to IPR and the three other programs that are in the process of making that transition. And in closing, I just thought I should add a few comments about um, factors that might influence the development of EPR as a policy approach in Canada. Um, internationally, we see that China is continuing to modify its role in world commodity markets. It's increasingly restricting imports of waste. And as of January 1st of this year, we have a new Basel Convention that includes uh, and now covers plastic waste exports. At the federal level, CCME has issued its Canada-wide Action Plan on Plastic Waste, which was released in 2019. And the federal government has announced a ban on various types of single-use plastics. At the provincial level, we're seeing provinces that have existing programs based on the EPR policy approach, uh, now focusing on plan renewals and reviewing, and in some cases, increasing performance targets, and on providing enforcement to provide a level playing field for the obligated producers. But those provinces without producer involvement in managing household packaging and, weight, uh, packaging and paper are always uh, considering how to proceed. At the producer level, I did want to draw your attention to the Canada Plastics Pact, which includes a number of targets for 2025. This includes eliminating problematic packaging and achieving a 55% uh, recycled and composted rate and achieving a 35% recycled content rate. These initiatives are also all likely to have an effect on how EPR is delivered in the provinces and territories across Canada in the years to come. And with that, I'll turn it back to Christine. Thank you for listening to this 2021 webinar series podcast. Search for On the Cusp. Alberta Circular Podcast on iTunes and the Google app for more from the RCA or visit recycle.ab.ca to see the full presentations.